Maverick has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Jeff, it's been an incredible week. We've got some very important issues to discuss, but first of all, your trivia question. What have Alan Mullery and Pop Robson, the striker who played for West Ham, got in common? So what have Alan Mullery and Pop Robson got in common? And I'll give you a clue. It's not the teams they played for or the teams they managed. We'll find out at the end of the show. But before all that, we've got some rather huge topics to discuss. The first being, of course, the creation of a European Super League. 12 teams across Europe have announced that they're breaking away from the Champions League and setting up their own league. And six teams from England, so-called elite teams, plus Arsenal and Tottenham, among those six, have decided to join and it's created a huge, huge furore. Yeah, it has. And the the opposition to it is is almost universal. It's only the six clubs themselves who are in favour of it and obviously the financial backers. Everybody else is against it and it takes something to unite all those different, different forces on the same side. Yeah, I think that's... That's the first thing that struck me. I think we'd better explain first that this Super League will be... 12 teams have announced that they're going to be in it. Six from England. It'll end up being 15 permanent teams and five who are invited to join depending on how well they do in their domestic leagues. And then they play amongst themselves to become European Super League champions. There's no relegation. You're always guaranteed of being in that league. And the reason behind it, of course, is money. But the point is, yes, I was really surprised at how everybody, but everybody, has condemned it. I haven't come across anybody apart from these six clubs who've said anything positive about it and as you say it's it's really united football and fans yeah it has but I'm I'm not sure it makes any difference the the money will talk in the end and the money will rule and I think the key to its success or not probably lies with FIFA because FIFA and UEFA have been fighting a, a war over the last few years FIFA are very jealous of the money that the Champions League brings to UEFA so if they license this so it becomes an official competition then it can it can succeed for how long it will succeed that's another issue but it, it is possible but if FIFA come down on the side of football then it's pretty much dead subject to the fact that money talks well it all comes down to money and I think that's the first thing that's upset fans and pundits and football lovers and journalists and people like ourselves and the second thing is that it is almost pointless the competition it becomes like an exhibition competition every year yeah it's, it, it's exactly like that and it's no coincidence that this is happening after more and more Americans have bought Premier League clubs and American sport doesn't do promotional relegation and in fact it, it, it's worse than doing without the risk of, of relegation because actually the teams that perform the worst rewarded with the best draft picks in other words they get the best players coming out of college and it's the reward for being the worst and we've had two teams particularly uh, the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets in the last three years deliberately trying to lose every game to get the best players that are coming out of the college draft yeah I mean this is what people are upset about is that football will no longer actually matter competition won't matter there won't be any fierce competition you've got those 15 clubs who've 
basically bought themselves a golden ticket and they will get to compete in this equivalent of the Champions League every year no matter whether they finish first or last in their own domestic competition yeah except they didn't buy the golden ticket they were given it they were handed it for free and talking about the universal condemnation um, because of the fact that it's all about money does bring up the irony of Gary Neville whinging from behind Sky's paywall about greed here is a Manchester United player Manchester United responsible more than any other team in England for the the mess that we're in now with the Premier League they were the ones who forced through the end of income sharing in 1983 they went public when very few teams were public and they've exploited this throughout the years always always using the threat of if you don't if you don't give us what we want we'll go off to a European Super League well here we are so if you've supported the Premier League and the Champions League in the mess that it is now you're part of the problem Yes, a lot of people who probably live in glass houses possibly um, should keep a little bit quieter. But I take on board what Gary Neville said. Nevertheless, um, you know, he said he's earned a lot. He did say in his speech he earned a lot of money out of Manchester United. But he is ashamed of what Manchester United have done. He's a huge Man United fan. For him to even come out and say that is something. Jurgen Klopp uh, was asked about it. And of course, his club is one that's leaving. He has to be very careful what he says. But he said he wanted to remind fans that he and the players were not consulted about it. And it's nothing to do with them so don't blame us for it happening so he's trying to make sure that the fans don't have a go at the players yeah I mean I I think he said as much as he can possibly say I think that that's true and that's fair now the other question is of course as I said it doesn't matter if Tottenham finish fourth or last every year they'll get into this competition that immediately brings the question of what will happen to the Premier League because those six teams the idea of them going away to play in the Super League is that they would do that during the week midweek and play in the Premier League at weekends that's what they want but how they play in the Premier League will be affected because it doesn't matter if they finish top four or not because they're not competing to get in the Champions League so their presence in the Premier League might stink the place out a little bit Oh, there's no question it will distort results yes in which competition are they going to play their best team answer the one that pays the most money so you can see some of the 14 teams left in the Premier League playing against the first team of Man City and then later on in the season they'll play the res- you know, someone else will play the reserves and it's just not it's not equity there used to be a law that each team must play their best team and that's gone out of the window which has helped this but there's no question that it will distort results in the Premier League I, I honestly believe the best thing for English football is those six teams fuck off the 14 rejoin the Football League and we go back to where we were with four divisions it's going to be an awful lot more exciting than what we have at the moment because there will be there won't be these top four or top six teams guaranteed to be up there you know it will be a much more open competition I think it'll be a lot more fun so actually I'd quite enjoy it well you're probably only saying that because you sent me a, a table showing what would have happened this season and had those six clubs been thrown out and their results null and voided and West Ham would be top of the league. Yeah, West Ham, if you if you re- removed all of the results from the, from the league that involved those six teams, West Ham would be top with 49 points, Leicester second with 40, Leeds third with 39, Aston Villa fourth with 34, then Everton, Palace, Newcastle would be seventh. They'd be half, literally mid-table. So it would make a huge difference. Sheffield United will still be bottom with 11 points but, but you know that, that happens every year doesn't it I, I think it would be a much more exciting league well it, there is a case to be made 
need for revamping the four divisions or having four divisions. Uh, I've heard one proposal is that, you know, to make a new first division or new Premier League, invite new teams into it, obviously. I mean, that table you're talking about only has 14 teams, which I don't think is enough. But people are also suggesting to make a fourth division uh, made up of the National League, a member of the English League, uh, which would make that maybe more competitive as well and more money going into it. The current Premier League, they could have promotion over the next two seasons, for example, where you promote more teams than normal. Yeah, well, why not just take the, the 14 that are left, the top six previous season from what's now called the Championship, and there's your first division, and, and just run down with first and second division being 20 teams and third and fourth being 22 teams. The rationale for that being that they need to play more matches to get more income to stay alive. If that was to be the new format, yes, you would need that. But then that would mean if the Champions League continued and the Super Six all went off and played in their Super League separately and were no longer in the Premier League, then you would ha- you would see on a regular basis Aston Villa, West Ham, Leicester, Wolves all in the Champions League. Well, we'd be back to where we were in the 60s and 70s. We wouldn't know who would make it into it. It would be different every year as it used to be. We've just got used to this top four always being there, um, obviously with the exception of the Wanderers who haven't been in it for six years. The competition would be much better. If there's less money in it, good. But I'm not sure it would be massively less because I, I'm not sure that this Super League is going to be as popular as everyone else is saying. No, if you're playing, oh God, not Barcelona Real Madrid again. Oh no, I can't be bothered. You know, as, as we've seen in the Champions League where Arsenal played Barcelona three times in four years to half-empty stadiums because, oh, not them again. You know, the, one of the attractions of the European Cup and the Champions League was you're seeing these really great teams that you don't usually see. So the matters but when it's just another one and there's actually nothing on it doesn't matter who wins or who loses why bother frankly yes you say though you know it doesn't matter and as a fan i'm not sure i'm that interested i mean i'm always be a tottenham fan but not that interested in seeing them annually in the same competition where they can't get relegated and where there are a static 15 teams out of 20 always in the same competition who then invite five teams from the other leagues to join them in their competition depending on how well they performed in the other leagues that begs several questions what's the point and also how will those leagues react to their teams being taken out into another competition um, indeed and how how will this promotion and relegation from this super league work anyway you know it, it kind of assumes that those five teams will be at the bottom but what if they're not what if the bottom two relegation places are Tottenham and the Wanderers which seems quite likely actually um, but they can't be relegated so the teams third and fourth from the bottom get relegated instead I mean it's nonsense and the fact that none of this really hangs together the more you look at it the more problems you'll find suggests that it is actually a negotiating tactic to get the Champions League changes that Agnelli published a few weeks ago and that he wants Yes your point there about how does it work so you've got 15 teams who are regular in it they formed it and every year they invite five teams from five leagues i guess across europe so for example let's say west ham win the premier league next season they will be invited to compete in the european super league let's assume uh, at a stretch of the imagination that they go on to win it they are then given the trophy and they're not in it next year because those 15 teams then decide to invite whoever won the league that year so you go in you win it you go out again it's pointless and i think fans will stray away from it and i think they will lose interest very rapidly because there's no there's no competition there's no there's no risk there's no excitement and the premier league for all its 
faults, anything can and does happen. Tottenham 3-0 up against West Ham, 3-3. Aston Villa beating Liverpool 7-2. Sheffield United coming ninth last season, getting relegated this season. All these things matter. And Leicester winning the Premier League and Porto winning the Champions League. The competition is is the reason why we watch. We watch and we become fans because it matters whether we win or lose. Manchester United fans accepted because they expect to win all the time. They get pissed off if they only draw. But for the rest of us, it matters whether we win or lose. In this new format, it isn't going to matter. It's just, uh, okay, so you know, we, we came fourth instead of third, so we may get 100 million less. Mm, okay. You know, if they're earning three times as much money as they do now, it's not going to matter, is it? And it doesn't matter to the fans. Tottenham fans, for example, it, it's fairly fraught being a Tottenham fan, and that's why we love football. Desperate to get into the top four this season, probably not going to happen, but you're scrabbling to get into it because you want to get into that elite competition, the Champions League. You want European football, but if all you're getting is European football and Tottenham finish eighth in the European Super League and that's their best position for five years, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we finish eighth, 20th or first. To the fans, it matters to the owners because a bit extra money, but the fans aren't counting the money. They're counting the risk and the excitement and the will we, won't we. And there is no will we, won't we. It's just we're there. Yeah, exactly. And what will have been created are actually franchises. So do you actually need three teams in this northwest of England in this um, European Super League? What are the odds that Manchester United, uh, sorry, Manchester City decamp to New York? where they already have a company and a, and a club, by the way. So Manchester City go to New York, Liverpool go to Boston, where their parent company is. And the other the other team that the parent company owns is the Boston Red Sox. So they go to Boston, Manchester City go to New York, Manchester United go to their fan base in the Far East. Tottenham probably got to stay where they are with that huge stadium. The Woolwich go to Los Angeles, where Stan Kroenke, their owner, has built the $5.5 billion stadium. So that'd be great news for him. He can get more income into that stadium. Uh, Chelsea who the hell knows Moscow maybe they did camp to Moscow it isn't going to matter where they are because they're not reliant on on fan revenue I, I don't think it is going to be very popular there might be a there might be a spike when it launches but I think it will die within five years and those so-called super six will come come back with their tail between their legs holding their cap out please can we come back in yeah you can start in the fourth division <laughs> No, the the Scottish FA were prepared to do the same thing for Rangers when they were responsible for that tax fraud that earned them points and championships that they didn't didn't earn. They had to start at the bottom and come back, and they did. This thing has actually been done before, and it was done in Colombia in the late fifties, early sixties. They created a Super League, and the they invited the best players from around the world to come, and a lot of them did. But those ones that did were banned by their by their national FAs from playing international football. A couple of English players, but. The players earned over a thousand times more than they earned before. So they took the money rather than play international football. Well, yeah, there are various consequences being threatened. International players being banned from playing internationals is one of them. I just want to to say that this, for me, is like a footballing version of Brexit. All right, the EU wasn't perfect. The Champions League isn't perfect, but change it with from within instead of going off and shooting yourself in the foot, much like the UK has done. This is what these 15, as it will be, teams have done. They basically said, we're not interested in you. We can survive on our own. And as you say, it'll last five years tops and uh, they'll ask to rejoin, much as the UK should do. And I think they've really shot themselves in the foot. The outpour of anger 
has been greater than I, I even I expected as a fan. And I think they've underestimated people's reaction and overestimated the worth of that competition. No, I, I think that's absolutely true. And if anybody says, sort of jumps up and says, you can't stop players playing internationals, it's against the law. No, it isn't. You are invited to play for the national team. And what happens in rugby has happened for 15 years now is if you're an English rugby player and you go and take the money in France, which you know they pay far, far more than are paid in England, then you are no longer eligible to play for England. So, And that's not contrary to EU law. If a French player comes to play in England, he doesn't play for France. If an Irish player goes to play in France, he doesn't play for Ireland. It's perfectly legal and you are invited to play for your nation. There's no entitlement, so it's not against the law. So this could happen. Would players take the money or decide, oh no, it's more important to play international football? I think 100% of them would take the money. That is a shame if that would be the case, and I can see that it would be. There are many other consequences of this, apart from just being banned from internationals, getting kicked out of the Premier League or out of Serie A is another one. You mentioned their location of clubs, and of course one of the things is if they get kicked out of the Premier League, and the only competition Tottenham have got, for example, is the European Super League, and there is no threat of relegation or no plus to finishing in the top four of that league Tottenham fans won't go to games as much as they used to they won't watch it as much they won't be as interested as much but we're away this weekend at Newcastle let's get an away day train is one thing we're away at Barcelona is another especially if Barcelona are in Miami for example so it becomes just an exhibition game so let's talk about fans reaction and what they can do to make themselves heard well money is behind this and money talks so if you're going to fight back you have to fight back on those terms so first of all, you don't buy a TV subscription to watch it. That's fine. That's probably going to hit about 30% of the revenue of this. But the other thing, the thing which underwrites absolutely everything is advertising revenue. So there's there's subscriptions. Don't buy them. There are going to be sponsors of it. So don't buy any product from any of those sponsors. And advertising, if anyone advertises on it, you don't buy those products either. Now that is really, really going to hurt. And if football fans could get together and actually make this make that happen it will have an effect because if you're a company and you're buying advertising space on television the television company has to guarantee you a certain audience they guarantee it and if they don't achieve that audience you get your money back it's a very real thing and football fans have all the power here we can refuse to buy or use any of those products and it will have an impact just think of of the you know the main countries in europe where fans are no longer buying those things they're no longer getting mastercards they all go to get visa instead you know think of it like that and i think it's no surprise that bayern munich have refused to join this because they are the the team in germany with the highest commercial income and the highest commercial investment so you can bet that rummenigge's first call was to the chairman of audi and say what do you think should we be in this or not and the chairman of audi is saying no don't yes it's a matter of image and if something is tainted and there is this mass dislike of the European Super League and the clubs within it and for example if Audi were part of it people would say oh no an Audi 
and they would associate it with something they dislike. And also, proactively, not buy those products, as you say. Immediately as it was announced yesterday by the various clubs, and I'll give you an example, on Twitter and Facebook, Tottenham announced it, Liverpool announced it, and the reply from fans was, first of all, unanimous, they were against it, but hundreds, nay, thousands of fans writing to them on in, in the comments saying, I will not be renewing my season ticket next season. I ha- Others saying, I ordered a shirt from the club shop yesterday. I have cancelled that order. And there is a huge outpour of indignation at it, but fans voting with their wallets. Yesterday, outside Leeds, when they played Liverpool yesterday, uh, fans gathered. A couple of famous fan groups, Liverpool fan groups, uh, one of them is called the Spirit of Shankly, and they're very, very powerful as far as fan groups go, informed Liverpool Football Club that all the banners surrounding the stadium, uh, to cover up for the fact there are no fans, must be removed and given back to them. These things matter. Yeah, and and football fans do actually have some power. Um, Not the usual, oh, we're going to protest against Mike Ashley. What we're going to do is we're all going to meet in the pub that we usually meet in on a Saturday, and we're going to walk into the stadium 15 minutes late. That will show him. No, no, you have to hit them in the pocket. And that's advertising revenue, sponsorship, and... To go back to the uh, the Leeds Liverpool game, brilliant performance, but from Leeds, by the way, they wore training shirts, said Champions League, and on the back it said you have to earn it. They put those shirts in the Liverpool changing room as well, and the Liverpool players were told not to wear them. Yeah, again, uh, as Jurgen Klopp said, it's nothing to do with us. It does put players in a very very difficult area. You say, okay, they'll go for the money, they won't play internationals, but players are also surrounded by brands that fans buy if you see i don't know i mean as a joke joe hart uses head and shoulders as he did advertise if he is then associated with the super league people will stop buying head and shoulders his endorsements go down so the players have to be very careful as well that their popularity doesn't go down because they're big on social media and therefore sell brands yes except that if you look at what has happened in the uh, the premier league as the tv revenue money has increased so players wages have increased so if clubs are now get three times as much as they were getting last season you can be damn sure the players are going to get much much more otherwise their agents are incompetent and they should be sacked and these agents are not incompetent as we have seen they're actually very good at what they do so the players are going to be can reasonably expect to earn three times as much and i think that will do away with the problems about um, advertising and sponsorship whatever where is where is the money the money's in the far east so it's going to be people whose whose brands are popular in the far east head and shoulders don't think it's going to get a look in either way regarding that head and shoulders advert the only the only interesting thing about the advert was that Hart didn't drop the the (laughs) bottle of head and shoulders maybe it won't affect the players in that sense but there will be a knock-on effect on players popularity and earning potential during and after their careers but I agree with you fans very rarely have any power but in this case if it rather than as you say turning up 15 minutes late or being silent in the fifth minute having already bought a ticket is not a protest holding up a banner saying Wenger out doesn't mean Kronke would sack him not buying all those products and not attending the games at all and not buying the subscriptions will have an effect. I do believe that this this petulance, it's Brexit, behaviour from these clubs will backfire on them. I do think this will backfire and I think in this case fan power will work. Yeah, 
when Manchester United forced the, uh, the the FA to change income sharing with the threat of, oh, we'll go and join a European league, the FA should have said, okay, off you go, and called their bluff. But what the football authorities have always done is given in to the bullying. And what happens when you give in to a bully is he comes back for more. And so we got, the, yes, clubs could incorporate, clubs could become limited companies. What's the purpose of a limited company? To make a profit. So when you get rid of it as, as a club, and the English Premier League clubs have ceased to be clubs for 30 years now, then you have a profit-making entity. Don't be surprised if it makes decisions that are going to make it more profitable. The Football League, Football Association, should have said to Manchester United, OK, you fuck off then, we don't need you. And then when they came back for incorporation, they said, yeah, off you go, we don't care, we are clubs. And, you know, to be fair to Spain and Germany, they are still clubs owned by the members, by the people who go and pay money to sit and watch them. It's a different different situation than, it, than in England. And then we got to Sky... We got to the Premier League, and what the Premier League was about is guaranteeing those those six clubs who pushed it, guaranteeing them much more money. And again, they used the threat of, oh, we'll go and join the European Super League. And then with the Champions League, they, they got rid of the European Cup, where a team could be knocked out in the first round. Just think, when Nottingham Forest won their second European Cup, their first round match was against Liverpool in the first round. Liverpool went out in the first round of the European Cup. No guarantee of six matches and, and all the money that comes from that. And if at each stage the authorities in English football had said, no, OK, you go off, because after five years they will be back, cap in hand, oh, please can we come back and join you? And it will happen that way. Yes, I, I think they may be underestimating what the fans and the Premier League reactions will be. However, these big companies as American conglomerates that own these clubs don't actually care about the fans. There are two types of fans, according to the, their business model, I suppose. There's what they call legacy fans, which are the lifelong supporters, many from that area. Liverpool fans from Liverpool, Tottenham fans from North 17, etc, etc. People whose families have been lifelong supporters, people who go to games. And then there are what they call clients and tourist fans. And these are, you'll see them at Premier League clubs. Swaves of people from Asia who've come to London for the weekend or the week who go to see a Premier League club as part of their entertainment. Ticket for Phantom of the Opera, ticket for the North London Derby and a ticket for Madame Tussauds. Those are the people they want in the stadiums because your regular Tottenham fan doesn't buy a shirt, doesn't buy a programme, doesn't buy a key ring. These people, they see it as an entertainment and these are the fans they're after that spend the money. So they don't care if Tottenham fans aren't going to travel to what's Tottenham Barcelona. There'll be plenty of people in Barcelona to buy Tottenham shirts. Yeah, absolutely. The entrance to the ground is through the club shop. They walk in, and, oh, and buy some shirts on your way through, and then they go through into into the ground. It's no coincidence. Yes, even museums, on your way out, you have to walk through the gift shop. You can't get out any other way. It's a business model, as we say. But having said all that, having said, you know, they'll get plenty of fans in the t- with tourists, I think they may find this Super League is played in front of a handful of fans, and I think people will lose interest in it very quickly. Yeah, that's right. This is partly a reaction to these Americans taking over English football clubs and trying to impose their their business model but it is it's not just about money it's also about power the clubs want the power in order to make things great for themselves and you know the football association started in the 19th century as, as the body which codified the rules so everybody played the same sort of football they, they all played the same type of football before that there were different rules you know different number of players how you could handle the ball all that sort of thing but the football association brought it all together and it is an association it is 
clubs and associations. And one of the, the weaknesses of the Football Association, which was exploited by the Premier League, is that it did and does represent football at all levels. From the under-8s having a kick, you know, kickabout on a Sunday morning, they're members of the Football Association. And unfortunately, that type of organisation has, after Mrs Thatcher, it's very much gone out of fashion. An, an organisation that is there for the benefit of its members. It's not a popular thing anymore. Having said that, I think this European Super League will be a step too far and uh, an exhibition of greed uh, that people will not accept. And people these days accept an awful lot and allow themselves to be pushed about and used an awful lot. I think, as you say, fans will vote with their feet and their wallets. This will backfire on them. I really believe that and I hope so. Yeah, I agree. And... The thing which has underwritten the timing of this is the um, the coronavirus and, and the effect it's had on clubs' income. Spurs, for example, for the year to 30th of June 2020, announced a loss of £64 million. Now, that follows a £69 million profit the year before. Levy said the loss of revenue because of the p- pandemic could not have come at a worse time. Spurs has spent £1.2 billion building their new stadium, which has been empty for a year. Year, and they have net debt of 605 million. Now the gross debt is closer to a billion. So they've taken the assets off that and said, oh, net debt is 605 million. And it's far, far larger than other clubs. And Spurs had to take 120 million from the Bank of England to tide them over. The Woolwich took. 110 million. Manchester United have taken 200 million in emergency loans in the last nine months. Every single club is technically bankrupt. Yes, it's all about the money and I think they believe this will be a way to get their money back quickly and start making fortunes and that's why the owners are in it. I believe they've made a massive, massive mistake. I will always support Tottenham but I'm left with a very, very nasty feeling at the moment. I feel betrayed by the club and I feel I just don't have that respect that I possibly once had for them and I think that top six so called that are joining this uh, European Super League will find themselves a lot less popular than they believe they are if you just take the reaction of Liverpool fans that that shows it doesn't it yes it's going to be interesting and very very strange times that is the biggest news of this week and it has shocked the football community but buried under all that was some other big big news that people have been expecting to happen at the end of the season and that was the chairman of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, Daniel Levy, sacked Jose Mourinho from his job as the manager. Levy said that Mourinho saw us and his team, who were also sacked, saw us through some unprecedented and difficult times. He'll always be welcome at the club, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And we're very sorry things didn't work out. Which is pretty much, Harry Kane and a lot of the players said it was great working for you, boss. Lots of tweets. Harry Kane said what a privilege it was. Another player said, sorry, it didn't work out, boss. So clearly, it didn't work out. But what were the reasons of sacking him on Monday, 48 hours before we play Southampton in the league and six days before we play a League Cup final? The timing is absolutely bizarre. Yeah, you're right. Everybody knew, everybody in the country knew and everybody in Europe knew Mourinho was going to get sacked at the end of the season. We all knew that. Why sack him when there's six matches to go plus the Mickey Mouse Cup final? Why why now? The only thing I can think of is they didn't want him Levy and, and well Levy's only doing what 
Joe Lewis wants him to do. Let's be honest. Joe Lewis didn't want him being able to say, I won a cup. And that's the only thing I can think of. Why sack him on Monday? Well, give Ryan Mason, who they've put in charge, uh, a couple of training sessions with the players and hope that maybe they win They win the Mickey Mouse Cup. But do, do, do fans actually care? I understand you could care if you're there in the stadium. It's a great, you know, it's a great day for the fans if you're there and your team wins. Yeah, fantastic. But when the fans aren't there, it's just a, an exercise in, in what? what? What do you win if you win that cup? You know, it's, it's a bit... It, you don't win much. Ergo, the decision to fire him is even more stupid. It's even more petty. Now, Ryan Mason, what's he got to do? Well, he's just got to tell the pick the most attacking team he can. Be the anti-Mourinho. Just say, okay... Go- okay lads go out and have fun and I hope he does that and it, it could be quite interesting it's the most extraordinary decision well the decision isn't he had to go but the timing is extraordinary yeah several things went through my mind as to why it happened yesterday we are recording this on a Tuesday why was it done after with two away draws in a row with six games to go a cup game coming up all that why did they want to bury it under the European Super League news or did something extraordinary happen at the weekend did leave and Mourinho fall out suddenly in a big way. There was a, a I'd call it a rumour but more of a conspiracy theory that Mourinho was told about Tottenham leaving to go in the to join this Super League and he said he was not interested in being any part of it. An addition to that rumour is that as a consequence he then refused to take training on Monday and Levy said you don't want to be part of it, you're gone. I find that very hard to believe but something extraordinary must have happened for them to do it as you say with just six days to go but I would like to see Ryan May and just saying to Gareth Bale and Deli Alley, who have been ostracised almost, listen guys, it doesn't matter, we're joining the Super League anyway, it doesn't matter if we finish bottom now, <laughs> go out and enjoy yourselves. However much you dislike Mourinho, or however much Tottenham fans want him to go, the timing of this does the club and the players no good at all. No, I'm, I'm not sure it will actually have a big impact on the players, apart from freeing them up a little bit, but the timing's extraordinary. You know, regarding the conspiracy theories, no, those are completely wrong. It is a fact that the decision was made immediately after the Everton match and had nothing to do with the the European Super League. There are very, very credible journalists who don't go in for rumour who were told on Friday night this was going to happen. So, you know, you can forget about the, you know, the theory that Mourinho is some sort of saint. No, no, he really isn't. No, it wasn't even wishful thinking on my part. I'm just grappling for some reason why a professional football club with a businessman like Joe Lewis who owns it and Daniel Levy who runs it have sacked a manager that he desperately wanted for many many years he didn't make it work neither Levy nor Mourinho he knew what he was getting with Mourinho we all did whether as I say whether you like him or not not leaving it until the end of the season is moronic in my it's mental it really is and as a fan it just leaves you up in the air who are we going to get next who's available so rumours are going around now Klinsman would you believe is one of the four favourites to get the job people are talking about Eddie Howe people are talking about Nagelsmann and um Nuno at Wolves and also Graham Potter and Brendan Rodgers none of which as a Tottenham fan particularly fill me with any excitement well if I was a Tottenham fan I'd be excited by Nagelsmann I'd be excited by Howe as well I think Howe is the archetypal Tottenham manager in in terms of old school Tottenham manager attacking play go out and win 5-3 great result the exact opposite of Mourinho but to sack someone normally uh, you know a rational club has somebody in place when they make announce the decision 
Tuchel at Chelsea is the perfect example. But this, to do this six six matches before the end of the season when you haven't lined up a successor is extraordinary. But there is going to be a lot of a lot of movement in the managerial market at the end of the season. So it's possible that Lewis has said we've got to be in a position to make the best bid and take the best manager. And yeah, I think in terms of the decision itself, Levy was the one who wanted Mourinho. Joe Lewis, from all accounts, is not a great football man. He's just an investment to him. Levy said, no, I guarantee you he's a guaranteed winner, etc., etc." And Lewis has turned around and said, actually, no, he's not. Look at the look at the results. You you mentioned earlier on Mourinho's comments after the Everton game. Say why why are you surprised we drew with Everton when if you look player for player they're they're the same as us. And you go down player by player. And in my opinion, Everton are fractionally better than than Tottenham. So the draw itself wasn't a, a huge surprise. It was I predicted it. I think it was very widely predicted. An uninspiring match from uninspiring teams, and and the result was uninspiring. Yeah, again, you know, Tottenham fans and. And football fans in general expect maybe far too much from their clubs. Maybe far too much was expected from Mourinho with that current squad. There is talk that he upset a lot of players. Doherty is one who apparently he undermined his confidence so much that Doherty began playing badly and felt completely useless and lost his belief in himself. I'm, I'm not sure if these stories are true. I'm not sure. But we do know how Mourinho does create chaos. But yet again, back to the question, why now? And we don't seem to have an answer. Where now for Tottenham? I don't know. I mean, one, one room is Benitez another one that I, I mean I, I get Nagelsmann I suppose Eddie Howe possibly maybe Graham Potter in the future would be a very very good style of manager for Tottenham I think the only I mean there, there's also um, Hansi Flick is available Joachim Lowe who's left the Germany job but none of them I suppose apart from Nagelsmann really inspire me or, or, or get me excited about the future maybe Tottenham don't care who they get at the moment because it's all going to be alright they're going to be in the Super League the changes caused by Hansi Flick leaving Bayern Munich are going to create some create some vacancies. Um, Pirlo can't survive at Juventus. I mean, surely not. And the result at the weekend, Atalanta beating Juventus, not only beating them, but taking their place in the top four in Italy, uh, again, shows the complete nonsense of this European Super League. But Allegri is still available. Interesting that after two years, nobody's come in for him, though. There will be a lot of good managers on the market at the end of the season. And maybe what's behind all this is, let's make sure we're in a position to get anybody we want to maybe that's it but it's a very strange decision right time for our predictions for the upcoming round of games this podcast goes out on a Wednesday evening Tottenham are playing Southampton at home Brian Mason and his team will be in charge for that game the game will be in full flow by the time we publish this but we are going to predict it because it's a strange one and we don't know what style they're going to play or who he's going to pick but I think it will be a different team than one we've seen lately because he's got nothing to lose and Tottenham clearly are not bothered whether they finish in the top four or not now they've sat the manager before the end of the season I think they're just going to run the clock down and just let him have a free hand so I think Tottenham will win 3-0 I think that's the romantic choice but Hasenhuttle is is being very very strongly pushed so a great result for Southampton there which Southampton beat Tottenham will do him the world of good I'll go for a 2-2 draw uh, the other game tonight, as this podcast goes out, is Villa against Man City. It's a Man City win for me. Yeah, I think it is. Um, Villa have done extremely well, but City have got to get back on track after the weekend. And then Leicester, who got themselves into the FA Cup final alongside Chelsea last weekend, are at home to West Brom on Thursday. A rejuvenated West Brom who can't stop scoring. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. But Leicester win 3-1. And then on Friday evening, the Woolwich Wanderers are at home to Everton. So I want Everton 
to win, does it matter? It should be a draw. I mean, there's Everton are a better team than than the Wanderers. No, I'll go for a 2-2 draw. And then on Saturday, we've got Liverpool against Newcastle. Yeah, you, you just said Newcastle keep winning. Well, Newcastle, Newcastle beat West Ham courtesy of four goals from West Ham. They won't get the same charity from, from Liverpool as they got last week, and Liverpool will probably win 3-0. And then you've got a tough one. West Ham are at home, but they're at home to Chelsea. Yeah, this is uh, our last tough game, actually. Uh, after this, they're all all fairly straightforward and teams below West Ham. So, well, Chelsea are below West Ham, actually. If West Ham can get a draw out of this, it will be a brilliant result. So I'll go for all a draw. Chelsea don't score a lot of goals, so they'll only score one, so it'll be 1-1. One, one. And I'm going to go for 2-1 to Chelsea. I think probably as a Tottenham fan, the only result that would do us any good would be the draw. Uh, then Sheffield United against Brighton. 2-0 to Brighton. Yeah, I think Brighton just need that extra three points. Burnley being pulled into the relegation battle after Newcastle gets seven points out of the last nine. On Sunday, three games, Wolves against Burnley. On the basis that Burnley really, really need the win, I'll I'll say they'll win 2-1. But I've been saying Burnley will win because they really, <laughs> really need it for three weeks now. It hasn't happened. But this week it will. This week, they really need it. They'll win 2-1. And then Leeds United, who last night were at home and held Liverpool to a draw are at home again to Man United they just keep coming for Leeds yeah they got a very difficult run in they didn't hold hold Liverpool to a draw you could actually argue that Liverpool held them to a draw in that second half Leeds were on top more in the second half than Liverpool were in the first half. It was a fractional balance in the in the first half, but second half Leeds were very definitely on top, and with a better finisher, they'd have won comfortably. I think they'll draw with Manchester United. And then Aston Villa against West Brom on Sunday. 2-0 to Villa. And finally, we're back round to the next round, really, on Monday, Leicester City against Crystal Palace. We're up against one of those things that happens every season. Crystal Palace come up with great results against the top teams at the end of the season, and all their fans say, why couldn't you be doing that the whole season yeah. this could be one of those one of those matches 2-1 to Palace alright well it's been a very very strange week and it's only Tuesday in the world of football that's all we've got time for but before that time for your trivia question and the answer Okay, the question was, what have Brian Pop Robson, who as striker played, famously played for West Ham in England, and Alan Mullery, who played for Tottenham in England, what have those two got in common? Well, in the old first division, you would play 42 games in a season. Both of those players, in one season, played 43 games, because they were transferred halfway through the season to teams that had had a match a match uh, postponed. So they, they ended up playing 43 games when the teams that they played for only played 42. That's very good, I love it. I love it. Uh, We'll be back next week unless football is dead (laughs) by then. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.